Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Do you want a Diet Coke? <sighs> yes, I do. Okay. But I'm the caffeine. No, I think it's it's a quarter of what a Celsius is. A Celsius is like 200 milligrams. This is like... It's, no. It's 46. Oh. I mean, there's class action lawsuits against Celsius because of that. It's like stopping people's hearts. Stop. Allegedly. It's just really intense. It's really, really intense, the Celsius thing. Well, no, if I have one, I'll often have one before the gym, which is like around the 4.30 mark. And I oh am like flying. No, I'm flying. I've had a couple. And I they like sent me into a full. So coffee is 100 milligrams or less. 80 to 100. 80 to 100. Okay. Yeah, I think. Diet Coke is 48. 46 46 we've just determined yes and a celsius is 200 that's too much i think what's the daily limit should i check oh i don't know i didn't know there was a daily limit yeah but of course there would most be most caffeine you can consume oh my In god it's, it, it auto filled because i've already typed it oh my god <laughs> okay 400 milligrams <gasps> that's too much is uh an amount oh n- not generally associated with dangerous negative effects. Okay, the FDA has decided 400 milligrams a day, that's about four or five cups of coffee, as an amount not generally associated with dangerous or negative effects. So I assume that anything over that. So if you're having like three Celsius a day, which I'm sure people do. Are, are that, you serious? You think people do that? Oh, for sure. I think you, a lot of people wake up and have soda in a way that we can't even comprehend. No, you're right. You're right. The big gulp. The famous big gulp. Right. Which I can't comprehend. No, I've never had one. What is it? Just 7-Eleven? You just like pour a slushie? Yeah, but it's like, I think it's like 56 ounces or something insane. Oh, 64 ounces. Okay, that's 64 yeah. ounces. So that's like two liters, three, li- two, three liters, 64 ounces. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. That's that. This is, I'm holding a half oh gallon. God. Wow. That's a lot. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we're back. Welcome, Welcome back, back to Uncover Girl. We are so excited to be back in the saddle. Oh my goodness. It's, it's been, been a while. It's been a while. We took it. We took a solid break and I think we needed it. Yeah. Also, we like, you went to New York. I went to New York. We returned from New York. You were deathly ill. You yes. returned. You've come back to life. Oh my God. I had that crazy story I was telling you guys about like ages ago published. Came out. We went to Coachella. We went to Coachella. <laughs> we went to Coachella. And we had the time of our lives. Yeah, guys, who would have thought Coachella is really fun? We were naysayers. Yeah, we were such <laughs> we were such cynics. I was so opposed. I was like, this is, we're going to war. Like, this is a disaster zone. I think you do have to be on some sort of... An easy ride track. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the easy ride oh, track. That's not the way I was oh. going. <laughs> I was like, I think you do need some sort of enhancement of some sort. Can I say that on the pod? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's stronger than caffeine, should we say? Oh my god, I thought you were talking about a VIP pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think you can't just raw dog Coachella. It's true, but I really didn't see anyone that was like out of control. But that's I think the biggest misconception about drugs. Like people conflate it with that with alcohol. Like alcohol, that's you so see true. people out of control. Yeah, drugs throwing you ne- up on the ground. You never really see people out of control. The very worst people are you know ODing bad. Yeah, or just chomping at the bit like just chomp 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 away yeah or they're kind of like sitting in a quarter quietly yeah, I guess yeah you're yeah. right yeah the drinking i'm anti-drinking I know. i'm just like That's so california of us though. i know i know 
But I just like, I feel it's not working for me in my, in my old age. No. So we went to a celebratory dinner for like our season finale of Uncovered Girl, our first season. And we had two glasses of red wine. Two each. glasses of red wine. We woke up, Kasha style in a bathtub, brushing your teeth with a bowl of Jack. Struggling. We were both like, I'm so hungover <laughs> I'm today. I'm so broken. And we had a full meal, obviously, with it. Meal. Like what? We had pasta pizza and a dessert. Oh and I think God, it's yeah. a soup entree. Yeah, we did. We shared a soup. <laughs> we shared a beautiful soup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was in Laurel Canyon, Spiritual Vortex. Oh, my God. Well, I'm elated to ask you yeah. for the first time in a long time. What's inspiring you? It's been a, it's been a real journey. Um, having the story come out has been a, like a, a huge undertaking and stepping into the Hollywood business, so to speak, being adapted into maybe a show. And it's been a real learning curve in terms of how the industry moves and how people move within it. I have felt very intimidated and pretty overwhelmed at times and kind of called my sister and I was like, you know what? I really need help here. I really need professional industry help. But like the word on the street is that, you know, like they come to you, you don't come to them. And she was like, fuck that. We bang down doors. We make our own rules. We we do the thing. You go out and find representation, find someone who's going to protect you in all these negotiations and deal-making conversations. And I said, okay, I'm going to drop my ego. I'm going to cold email. And it's been really, really beneficial and just really reminded me of how much kind of control we have over our own fate. And then mm-hmm. my mum got made a chief of Samoa, I which know. is like oh. really that was the cherry on top. So this is like a this is a whole series of events that have led to an overall inspiration of we are women. Hear me raw. You're the I, daughter of a chief. I think I've said this on the podcast before. My mum is the mayor of my hometown, just to give some context. She got made a chief of Samoa for her commitment to job security of Polynesian people in New Zealand. Anyway. No, that's a huge couple weeks. You really have. Like, we've talked about it, and we've been on the phone extensively through it. You have been my rock. You have been my rock. Just countless calls hello hello <laughs> oh my god you'll never believe it was an honor and a privilege and i will protect my friends through through it all through it all what has inspired you my love my sweetie um, okay what's inspiring me right now is the promise of the future in so far as i am going to stop being late because I've arrived here today okay today you were late i was 48 minutes late okay. to the recording beatrice has given me forgiveness and really not giving me a hard time at all about it, but I'd like to just be transparent mm-hmm. with the listeners that this is a pattern of mine and it's one of my fatal flaws and it's coming to be something that I'm known for and that is where I put a stop to oh, it. Oh, who, who brought that to your attention? Um, a few friends, like just a few friends where it's like, oh yeah, like you were only 10 minutes late today, which is honestly great for you. And when I heard that, I went... <gasps> No, no, because no. You, you like to be unpredictable. You like to be the girl who, you know, anything could happen. You could arrive early. You don't want to be known. No, I can't be known. For no, being you late. can't be known for one thing. Yeah. And so in part, my inspiration this week, it's a dual inspiration. It's the forgiveness of those that I love and their acceptance of my constant lateness. Mm-hmm. Mostly it is Stephen who deals with this where I'm running late and it is definitely a symptom of ADHD. <laughs> yes. Because 
I struggle with time blindness where I have like eight tasks to complete, which is why I think time blocking could possibly unlock a whole new life for me. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like I have six things to complete before I leave the door. And I assume that all the six of those things will take five minutes each. I've given myself like 10 minutes to do all of those. Yes. Yeah. Which is absolutely impossible. And then I'm doing them all. It's like the time that I'm supposed to leave passes, comes and goes. They're doing work on my street. My car was almost towed. There have been consequences. There have been near consequences because of my time blindness. And so I'm working on it. Mm. And I just, I, I feel inspired that a year from today, it'll be better. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe and have full faith in you. I, a big thing about the time blocking just to, to circle back is that you have to, it's really hard to let things go. I don't know if you find this as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. if you're kind of mid something and then the time runs out, the timer runs out on it, it can be near impossible to like walk away. And I think in that moment you have to assess, okay, if I'm going to bleed into my next section by sticking at this one activity, then think hard of what's going to benefit you in the long term if you choose to deviate from your plan. predestined plan. Yeah. And the thing is, is my issue is that I often do bleed. And then it's like, no. I'm sitting here without headphones on. <laughs> and I just like, I'm also staring down a period where I'm going to get busier and busier and busier. And I feel like for people that are super busy and like have multiple projects, like our subject possibly the busiest woman in America right now. She is on tour. She's only a few years older than us. So 1999, uh, 1999, 1989. Yeah. And that stays with me because yeah. I have seen her at every stage of her life and I followed closely behind five years later. Yeah. And to be like, okay, I am 22 and Taylor was 22 and living that life. Absolutely like beyond insane. The life that Taylor Swift has lived. Which we're gonna get into. Oh, oh my god, my we're god. Gonna I'm get actually into. so excited. For no, this. I know there's some Swifties out there in the in the Algo universe. Oh, uh, you bet. Wait, I'm obsessed. I need to tell you something so funny. Oh yeah. So I was at an event with a beautiful friend who is a self-proclaimed Argo and um, another lovely friend said, you know, oh my gosh, like so excited. Like when's the podcast coming back? And my friend goes, Are you you're an Argo? And she goes, oh, what? <laughs> and clearly like hadn't listened with the intensity that friend number one had. Oh, and no. she went like, oh, um, uh. oh my God, that's so funny. I go out of context is brutal. Yeah. So proceed with caution to protect yourself and your loved ones. Yeah, totally. Let's get into our first lady. America's first lady. Oh, my, America's first lady. Truly. The profile is in 2015. It's in GQ. The headline reads... Taylor Swift on Bad Blood, Kanye West, and how people interpret her lyrics. This was an absolutely huge year for Taylor. It was a huge year for those associated with Taylor. In many ways, 2015 was the year of friendship. The obsession with Taylor Swift and her quote-unquote crew. I mean, the crew is insane. It's like Gigi Hadid, Cara Delevingne, Kendall Jenner, Lena Dunham, Blake Lively. Yeah. Spans all ages, all careers, all levels of like A-list. I, in preparation for this episode, did watch the live 1989 documentary concert film. No, you didn't. I did. I did. Well, I did. we need to preface this was the year 1989 came out. This is a 1989 year. And this is the year she's on a world tour of 1989. And it was massive. The concert is recorded in Sydney, actually. Um, that's like where, I mean, she's playing to a crowd of like 76,000 people and she's playing to even bigger crowds right now on the Eras tour. So we are in this like strange parallel 
where, I mean, it's always obviously huge when Taylor Swift goes on a tour, but the 1989 tour was... Well, it marks the full pivot to pop, right? Before that, she always had a foot in country. Yes. Yeah. And she did full pop, full pop yeah. for this. It was good. It was the time I re-found her. Yeah. So this was like a huge moment. And she was actually discouraged from going full pop. They were like, you've always been country. Country is your thing. Like, this is a risk. And to her, it was like the biggest risk is not taking a risk at all, which is so Taylor. So let's just start with some context here. Sure. Interpersonal context. How do you feel about her? Yeah. So Tim McGraw era, I was right there. I was 13. I was prime demo. Uh, Fearless, owned the album, played it in my stereo, my portable speaker. Like, yes, loved. I fell off around red for no particular reason. I feel like I think I went in a different musical direction. I really found my feet in like the hip hop R&B world and just diverted a little bit. And then I, I came back for 1989 I have since I've I've distanced again and I was really try I was listening to some you know I was listening to some classics as I was also preparing for this and more recently it feels very early Lana which was also something I loved and adored back then very like blue jeans and Levi's and just mm-hmm. lots of clothing references in general <laughs> um because she's so lyrically straightforward it's so inclusive and because obviously it's it's kind of tried and true songwriting where it's your, your basic guitar melody and a, a bit of piano. It always gets like critically approved. Lives in this world where it's so likable and accessible to literally everyone. Midnight, you come and pick me up, no headlights. It's It hits. Yeah, you you're know? like, oh, I, have, I mean, I have full body chills and I'm going to ask you to look at them. <laughs> It just, it just hits. Yeah. On a, like a personal level, I think I am so impressed by her, but for a long time, I was really on that train of, I was very like, where's the authenticity? Like I felt, I felt that, that calculated, like I was swept up in the court of a public opinion where it was like, okay, but this girl is so perfect. Like she's just so perfect in every which way. And I don't relate to that in a big way. Yeah. So that's I I could never call myself a Swifty. I don't mm. deserve the label. You haven't fought for it. Like I haven't stuff. fought for it. I yeah. haven't been in the corner the whole time. But would I like love to see her live for sure? Yeah, we have. I would say an identical journey with her. Okay, I was oh. definitely in part influenced by like the feeling that it's not as serious to listen yes. to. Uh, independent female artist. Yeah. When those women raised me, Shania Twain. But she's not a boy genius. You're not going to sit there no. and dissect the lyrics and the poetry and be like, wow. That I mean, outside of like the references, right, to possible lovers or friends or whoever, like you're not going to be like, wow, that really blew my mind from a literary perspective. Yeah, I know. And then there are real moments of poesy. Exactly. Where you're like, oh my God. Po- that- poesy? Poesy. Stop. Poetry? Poesy. Both are true. Both can be true. I, I like to use I've both. Ne- I've never heard that word. It's a oh beautiful word that I no, want isn't it to so infuse into my vocabulary if it exists. The art or composition of poetry. Stop. P-O-E-S-C-Y. Sorry. P-O-E-S-Y. Here we are. S-Y? Back at the- S-Y. Poesy. So it's like pose, prose, poetry. All poesy. We scatting. We start scatting. Super <laughs> she's up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so yeah, you were right on my journey. Yeah, I was right there, and but I, oh, I loved Fearless. Oh my god, I sat in my room and I, I listened to Hey Steven, which oh. hilarious that I am marrying a man named Steven. Stop. I mean, the I Joe re- Jonas song. 
Which one? Oh my God, Forever and Always. Oh yeah, Forever and Oh Yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah, I mean, You Belong With Me, I remember seeing that music video for the first time and being like, fuck pretty girls. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I want to be a band geek, uh, yeah, baby. Yeah, exactly. That's the way. That's the honorable way. And I fell off, yeah, around the red time. I didn't, like, 1989, I listened passively and I really didn't find my way back until very recently. And then honestly, as I've been watching the Eras Tour footage come in... I have been completely moved and I am 100% back in now. I think it's the rain. I think there's just been so much rain. (laughs) The star power of her, again, click to bring it full circle, but just how many famous people fucking love this woman. It's kind of hard to not buy in when she carries so much cultural cachet. I wrote this question for you. Go. Are her fans... I'm going to read it verbatim. Yeah. Are her fans aging... Or have, has her music skipped a generation? I think that she has always captured the hearts and minds of preteen girls. Okay, so are like Gen Z, who are now what, like 16, 15 to 25-ish, mm. are they bought in? Are they locked in the same way as like millennials are and now Gen A, Gen Alpha? You have two sisters who are what, like 20 and... 20 and 23. Any interest? No. No. Not really. Okay. No, more in the Fearless, which is like the stuff that I was playing when we were all young. In that way, I think that she will... I really do think that as time goes on, she will be considered like the artist of a generation oh, in many she's, ways. she's canon. Yeah. She's already canon. Yeah, I think so. And like, I think the phenomenon of her is really something to behold. And I think that this era, the 1989, this was a, a shift for her. She like came out to the world in a different way and she didn't come out as many <laughs> as, people as, 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 as we've, as we've yeah. seen we're not probably, gonna we're not gonna touch on that are we gonna no Kelly no. Klaus no we're not gonna <laughs> we go <couldn't>. there <laughs> she was over the other side of a lot of criticism and a lot of like hardship she wouldn't she wouldn't come out of it altogether obviously like her next album after this was Reputation correct yeah so that was really the the takedown of the press and the way in which people despised her in the mid-2010s. Yeah. Um, And created this persona of her as this sort of, like, man-eater. But I think perpetual victim was the other thing. Yeah. That, like, people were really struggling with, especially off the back of, like, what would become the Kanye Mm -hmm. debacle Mm -hmm. um, over his famous video, which came out in 2016, a year after this profile. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing, is people were like, Oh my God, she's the heartbreaker, but she's always played the the heartbroken. And it is the only time in this interview that the author talks about how like she kind of tenses up when at one point he talks about how he had spoken with someone that knew her that described her as calculating. And that's like the only time where the facade drops. Yeah, she's where like, she's like, Stop. that is not true. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. The Author of this profile is an author, first and foremost. He's written like nine nonfiction books, many that have been on the New York Times bestseller list. Chuck Klosterman. Um, and I love this profile. I think he did a brilliant job with it. I loved it. it. I also looked at his other GQ yeah. uh, stories that are all sports related, yes. which I thought was kind of iconic. I know. I'm like, Because what? she is like a fucking athlete. It was helpful in this way to have this outsider perspective of like, what is the appeal in a similar, like to the Selena Gomez way of like, what is it about this person that like captures the hearts and minds? Yeah. Oh my God. I do have to say also that a part of the footage of the 1989 tour uh, like a famous bit of it was that she brought out 
like so, 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 so many famous people. Justin Timberlake came out. Mick Jagger came out. Selena Gomez came out. And there was like this really sweet footage of them rehearsing together before they did their show together. They're famously friends. And I was like, that's me and Beatrice. Selena and Taylor? Yeah. Rehearsing. Oh my God. I was like, that's what we look like. Whom is, whom is whom? I I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I think I know, but I, it's tough. Probably I'm Taylor. I think Taylor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. okay. So this is how it opens. That's a pap, she says as we leave the restaurant, pointing towards an anonymous gray car that looks like the floor model in an auto dealership specializing in anonymous gray cars. Her security detail suggests that it's probably not a paparazzo because there's no way a paparazzo could find us in such an unglamorous, unassuming establishment. But as with seemingly every other inference she's ever made, Taylor Swift is ultimately proven right. The guy in the gray car is taking her picture. This annoys her, but just barely. It's like we're immediately put into this world where like Taylor Swift's actions are being watched at all times, including by the journalists writing about her. This paparazzi car follows them um, as they're like driving away towards her home in Beverly Hills. Um, On the way, she gets a call from Justin Timberlake, who is a new dad and having trouble sleeping and calls her for advice i guess yeah i found that really odd because he's been his like late 30s at this point she's 25 she's 25 he's calling like a a 25 year old pop star to be like how do i get to sleep with my newborn child yeah yeah it's like wait what i thought this quote was sweet you're never gonna get old swift assures timberlake that's scientific fact that's medical it becomes clear that he's calling her because he's going to perform with her. That was a big part of that tour is that she had all of these artists come in and it was like insane. The people that she got and she remarks like, this is so crazy. Like, can you believe kind of she's as gobsmacked that this person, Justin Timberlake would be in her contacts as a fan might be if she called them. Yeah. Calling. Yeah, exactly. And he writes, and I really love this. Why wouldn't Justin Timberlake want to perform with the biggest entertainer in America to an audience of 15,000 people who have who will lose their collective mind the moment he appears? Um, I'd have been much more surprised if he called to turn her down. But then I remember that Swift is 25 years old and that her entire ethos is based on experiencing and interpreting how her insane life would feel if she were exactly like the type of person who'd buy a ticket to this particular concert. She has more perspective than I do. Every extension of who she is or how she works is indeed so crazy. And what's even crazier is my inability to recognize just how crazy it is. So Taylor Swift is right again. When I first read this profile, I was really expecting Q&A. So usually when there's a really big star, it kind of takes a turn towards Q&A because they don't want to be taken out of context. They want all their words or all their thoughts laid out just as they spoke them. There's a big intro, which is kind of profile-esque, and then it just goes question, answer, question, answer. This is somewhat of a hybrid. I know. It's like written, Very chic. Very chic. It's written from his, his perspective. So like we are able to sit in his shoes as the reader and imagine that we're going to lunch with Taylor Swift and we're in the car with her. She's getting this call. But also you have this really interwoven like his question verbatim as he asked it and then her answer as she replied and then he goes right back into lunch and describes every facet of it and how she responds and how she moves I was like this is sick and I need to do this I know I know I was like this is so smart why aren't you like why don't we do this more often because so often there are full fat quotes that I wish I could include but it's like well 
this would be unreadable sort of but it's like I don't want to cut this up because it's all good and people would want to read this and so instead he doesn't cut it up he just includes those like juicy sections and then continues on with the profile life after it's such an insurance policy if you're going to get a publicist or anyone come at you in the sense of like she didn't say that you didn't set her up right for that quote there's the question there's the answer and then we're right back into the profile I mean I just had a experience where I wrote oh my this. god oh my god oh my god oh my which god. honestly is topical and timely topical and timely oh yeah yes yeah in relation to this so I just had to write a cover story on the Jonas Brothers and I chose to write it in Q&A format because it's three boys that you're interviewing but yeah. also they're, they're not Taylor level but they've been famous for a very long time and because of that a, a whole team of people are trying to they're trying to make sure everything is kosher I didn't know, but their team had been granted like text approval, which very rarely happens. And what ended up happening was I, I wrote the q and I had the big intro and they cut out a full chunk, like two long paragraphs that basically, I mean, there was nothing that was remotely like tea in there. It was literally just Jonas Brothers history in the public eye and what has happened throughout the course of their careers. That's so drama. A bunch of actually music journalists were up in arms about this that I saw because they were like accidentally CC'd on an email that revealed that this is more and more common, that artists get like text approval before anything goes live. Dude. Which is basically just like, yeah, chop up everything we've written or anything that could even be interpreted as critical. It's like, it's like, then it's gone. It's all gone. So incredibly shocking. And I, just because we obviously have this podcast and it's so top of mind for me, I was like, there's just no way that five, 10, 15 years ago, this would pass. Like you have to acknowledge what it took to get you here. It's not going to be a smooth road. There's going to be some bumps, even for an artist as seminal and powerful as like a Taylor Swift. Yes. There's still been bumps. And like, we would be fools to not acknowledge it. And we'd be not doing our jobs if we left it omitted, you know? Also, that's boring. Oh my God. Can I just read you a little bit of what they cut? Yes, Because I think this is Please, so absolutely. Exclusive, unpublished. Raised in an evangelical household, inspiration for an earlier iteration of their band name, Sons of Jonas. The Jonas Brothers spent their Disney tenure extolling the virtues of abstinence. The same year Britney Spears was shackled by conservatorship, the band removed their purity rings, opening the floodgates for the same speculation endured by their pop predecessors. There have been professional setbacks, underperforming solo albums, and prematurely ended TV series, as well as personal frustrations, accusations of queer baiting, and A-list relationships, aka Taylor, unraveling in the public eye. But while other Disney alumni veered off track, the Jonas Brothers always stayed the course, profitable and unproblematic, rare survivors of childhood superstardom. That was gone. Axed. Gone. Disappeared. That's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? That is. I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's so brazen. Yeah, no, it's fab. That is a fabulous paragraph. No, no, no. I'm, I'm obsessed with the chop. The chop oh, yeah. is so crazy. Well, to just, totally. Not at, like not like sentences, but no. just like, no, it's all got to go. It's all got to go. Yeah. Like any reference to them not being rock stars <laughs> since their, their debut at 12 years old. All right. A but famous ex of Taylor's. A famous ex of Taylor's. That's, I know. Yeah. And Taylor also, there have been bumps in the road, but... Um, she is a phenomenon in her like ability to be unproblematic. She, no, she's a survivor of child stardom similarly. Like yes. truly yes. come out thriving. I know. Yeah. 
Um, he writes here, she has never gratuitously sexualized her image and seems pathologically averse to controversy. There's simply no antecedent for this kind of career. Across genre, youth-oriented, critically acclaimed, colossus based entirely on intuitive songwriting merits of a single female artist. There's no other artist that you can compare her to. No, I don't think so. From generations past. No. Like, I think Miley's having a little bit of a renaissance in that, like, you know, she also started in the country game and then, like... But she sexualized her image. No, like exactly. she had, yeah. Yeah, like she was not a lot of controversy. Clean. No, she was smoking weed. Like, have, have you ever Salvia? seen Taylor? It was Salvia. <laughs> she came out to say that it was Salvia. I'm I sorry. Just, it obviously was Fake not news. Salvia. It obviously was not. Who is smoking Salvia? I don't really know what Salvia is. It's also, it's like really hectic. It's legal i I thought that was just a strain of weed no no it's a different kind of thing it's legal but it can also cause like hallucinations it's like honestly way worse than weed don't smoke salvia okay okay yeah or spice that's like the synthetic weed and that's terrifying i know someone who got fully addicted to that oh my god oh it's worse yeah it's it's worse worse. just smoke the stuff that comes from the ground yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um if it's legal in your state if it's legal in your state and your mom said (laughs) that you could um yeah, this I is agree. such a pro drug episode. Yeah. Well, you know famously that I won an award. I won the Dare Award in my fifth grade class. <laughs> I created an image so striking that it beat out the entire school. I had created this poster that read, "Don't let the drug monster give you a hug." And I had drawn a monster with pills for teeth and cigarettes for hair and weed leaves for hands, and it was like outstretched like this. I remember it. Only you would make something so nefarious, like cuddly as well. Like you would make it like (laughs) affectionate and like, don't let them give you a hug. I know. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she's truly never done anything bad. No, except for making herself a victim in situations. Like, I still feel like the jury is out. I don't know completely what the status is on the Kanye. That was, it felt a lot like white womanhood. Yeah. But also we know through time in history that Kanye is a very intense and scary man at times, but he grabbed the mic from her famously at the VMAs and they mended their relationship after that. And apparently at this point in the, in her life, they yeah, are good. They're in 2015, good. they're good. They're totally good. And then the next year would become complicated because she famously kind of didn't famous. Fam- yeah. <laughs> she famously denounced the the reference to her like I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex I made that bitch famous yeah and then Kim was like no 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 like I have recording of you that said that you you were know, cool. you were flattered by it yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but like I understand that he probably read her a partial line mm-hmm. never told her about like the naked body wax music yeah, video yeah, yeah 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 like it was probably a lot more serious than yeah it came off but I mean it's it's the beef is buried yeah we gotta we gotta let it lie and now Kanye is yeah. nowhere to be found not in not in the public eye not in the public yeah eye. not at this time doing yeah but it's, the girls are still thriving Kim yeah and Kim and Taylor are still thriving going strong so yeah so you know, we learn a little bit about her. Pause for a sec. Yeah. Can, can we go back to oh, yeah. the like the very beginning of her career that he just dives into a little bit? She, yes, was basically a child star because at 14 is when she, her whole family moved to Nashville so that she could pursue a music career. She had grown up in Pennsylvania on a Christmas tree farm. Every <laughs> hot blonde I know is from... Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. They breed them there. It's like milk and cookies, like beauty. Yeah. 
I know. I don't know what's going on there. I've never been. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I had to say. I know. No, no, no. That's And that's legitimate. She releases her first album, Taylor Swift, in, tw- in 2006. And she goes on to open for Rascal Flatts. That, can you imagine on the road with Rascal Flats? You're too, too hollering, <laughs> you're, you're stars 13. on the back of the jeans. It's fabulous. Yeah, that sounds like a ball. And um, she, from that moment, literally launches into the stratosphere. Like, immediately. Because that's 2006, 2007. Our song comes out, Teardrops on My Guitar. Like, all of these huge moments. Our song made it so that Taylor Swift was the youngest person to single-handedly write and sing a number one song on the Billboard, like, Hot 100. On the charts, yeah. On the, on the country charts or the on, pop charts? Mm, I think country. I think okay. it, it must have been country. Because yeah. she, yeah, for a while her music was always on the country charts and then it became, like, a gray. It's like, where do we put her? So, yeah, Fearless came out in 2008 and then she's basically released an album, like, every two years since then. There was some social media breaks. There have been some very famous breakups with people. But I also do want to bring attention that at this time, 2015, she was dating Calvin Harris. Hot. (laughs) Yeah, for like a year. And then dated Tom Hiddleston for like one second. And then started dating Joe Alwyn in 2016. So like a year after this profile comes out. And they were together until... Like, honestly, maybe last week. It's three blonde British men in a row. I know. I mean, Tom Hiddleston is arguably brunette, but you know how I feel about brunette? The, the blonde brunette. Oh, my God. Idea. Oh, my God. You and this. I, love... I cannot get into this right now. I am not. I do not want to fight with you. Anyone <laughs> with a dirty gray. <laughs> Anyone with a light brown kind of mousy color, I immediately put in the brunette category. No, in the blonde category. Oh, oh. That's right. li- oh, it's yeah, light to me yeah. and my readiness. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Um, but no, it is three of the same men. Like, it's copy-paste yeah. men. No, it is. It is. And then Joe Alwyn stuck. They were together for six years. She wrote some beautiful love songs about him. I, I find it. him absolutely gorgeous. Do you? I do. I watch Conversations for Friends, though. Conversations with Friends. The oh, Sally Rooney. Friends have incredibly planned. Really? I have met him. I have interviewed him. Really? How was he? Oh, just... No, I mean, a lovely, nice, very quiet, like, shy man. It's not someone who's going to, like, spark the old... Mm-hmm. get the motors running yeah loins I don't even know what staying I, I don't even know what I meant <laughs> <Yeah>. by that <laughs> no I, I think he's just like very lo- lovely and sweet and nice and just but just was the vibe was very like soft yeah shy. okay that's good to know that's good to know I would I would imagine so and that's kind of how he was cast in the show he's like a shy yeah and how he was kind of cast in their relationship very true by very the media. true by the yeah. media I know and Taylor Swift's relationships obviously have been a huge part of her songwriting. He writes here in talking about kind of her artistry that Swift writes about her life so directly that the listener is forced to think about her persona in order to fully appreciate what she's doing creatively. This is her greatest power, an ability to combine her art and her life so profoundly that both spheres become more interesting to everyone, regardless of their emotional investment in either. It's like even people who like could care less about the tabloid relationships are like, I want Jake Gyllenhaal dead in a ditch. Yeah. Because after the all too well 10 minute version came out, people were up in arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you terrified of the Swifties in this episode? I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah. I, li- I really like her, so I hope that's coming across. No, I- <laughs> I'm like, and if it, I tell my mother I love her and... <laughs> the passion of the fan base is unlike any other on the planet, I think. Yeah, no, they could light 
multiple metropolises with their love of her. Yeah. And they have. I mean, the Ticketmaster, the selling out of her shows is like being taken to the Supreme Court because people were... Yeah. So many people wanted to buy tickets to the Eras tour. They're forget, changing the laws. Forget solar power. It's like literally Swifties no, are the new no, source no, no, of energy. No. Yeah. Yeah. They will handle that. Yeah. They are like an awesome, like awe-inspiring force. group. Yeah. Force of nature. Yes. Um, and I think they've done gone through great lengths to protect her. Can I say one thing that's frustrating me just a touch? Yeah. Is, I'm like, at your own safety, yes. Yeah, no, 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 this is not actually not Swifty specific, but more so in the sense of I've noticed a lot of women in the spotlight possibly trying to curry favor by saying like, I'm actually a Swifty now. I am a Swifty. Yes. Have you noticed that trend? Yes. No, no, I, I just think that you appreciate integrity and you I don't do. like liars. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do. I'm like, okay, then you should have been there during like Kanye mm-hmm. era. Like you should have been there through the Katy Perry drama. And I get that you can come to a an absolute A-list musical superstar late as a fan, but it feels a little bit like jumping on the bandwagon to just literally get the Swifties on, on your team. Yeah, because I think for a while it was like a little bit... Um... I don't want to say embarrassing, but like it wasn't the coolest thing t- to say that you were a Taylor Swift. Of course fan. not, it wasn't. It a lot, was, and, it, yeah. and and for the people that wore it proudly during that era, like more power to you. Such respect. Yeah. Because, no, like, such respect. It wasn't easy. No, no, no. Especially the people who are grown, because she's a huge millennial fan base. Oh my gosh. It's yes. like I do think the concerts are thirteen-year-old people and thirty-year-old people. It is. It is. I know. And like they're out there screaming their hearts and lungs out, coughing kidneys up on the GA floor. I know. And I mean, that's amazing. There's something that grates me about the... I'm like a newfound Swift... I don't know. It just... It feels bandwagoning. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Bringing it back to her dating, she has always never named names. Yes. And I've watched musical artists actually name names and have like a lot of viral success off the back of that. But then I think ultimately it just doesn't serve you in the long term. Because you kind of develop a reputation, ding, 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 for for that specifically. And the way that she's, you know, there's so many times where there's been very close allusions, CC style, Mm -hmm. uh, where everyone was like, this is Harry Styles. But she's never come out. She's never confirmed. Confirmed, yeah. And I think that is smooth and smart. I agree. I mean, all of this is smooth and smart. Yeah. She is a very thoughtful person. And... There is this amazing quote, which I'm like, honestly, we should write this down on our little professional to-do list. This is after he brings up that he had like met with an acquaintance of hers who said that like everything she does is very calculated. And she says, but here was someone taking a positive thing. The fact that I think about things and that I care about my work and trying to make that into an insinuation about my personal life. Highly offensive. You can be accidentally successful for three or four years. Accidents happen, but careers take hard work. For sure. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he was really trying to pull this out of her. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was really trying to say, okay, well, should we take everything you say and try and red string it, like connect the dots and try and work out who you're referring to, what the context was. And then she makes a very salient point of saying like, Shake It Off is one of my most successful songs. No one I know would say that I stay out too late. Mm-hmm. I just thought it sounded good. Yeah. Totally. Blank space, right? That's yeah. A, yeah. That is like written from the perspective of like the man eater persona, which is like not something she identifies with. She also really can blend. Like it's not all. It is like it, totally. There is a blend of fiction and truth. There is a blend of like this actually happened and then this is how it felt or I'm writing from a character standpoint. 
And it's never to be confirmed or denied. The point is not who is it to her, clearly. Yeah. It's like she can watch her fan base guess all they want, but she will just keep making music regardless of what their guesses are. I mean, you do see like she's had these two or three highly successful albums come out during the course of a very stable six-year relationship where she's been mostly out of the public eye. Yes. yes. And that's something that keeps me awake at night of just yeah. like, can I be creative if I'm happy and content and everything's going Great. well? Yeah. Do I have the life experience to pull from? And she is living proof that you can do it regardless. Yeah. And she even talks about how she like literally went dark for a few years. Mm. Like she said, I went through a few years where I just never went online and never looked at blogs. This was around 2013. The only thing anyone wanted to write about me was about me and some guy. It was really damaging. You're thinking everybody goes on dates when they're 22. It's fine, right? Nope. Not when you're in this situation and everything you do is blown out of proportion. Yeah. She was like, I, yeah, I forgot my Instagram password, like was like fully offline. Yet remained Taylor Swift that whole time. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to all of us. We're getting to a part now that I found so extremely fascinating. Mm -hmm. The fact that she says going offline or going dark wasn't good for me. Mm -hmm. I needed to be plugged in. I needed to be connected to fans. I needed to see what public opinion about me was because if too many people are saying the same thing, then there's some validity there. There's something to be heard and I need to be aware of it. Yes. Well, this was also the time that she began her Swifty listening parties, oh, yeah. which are like these secret, I mean, secret gatherings where she invites fans to come like pre-listen to an album that hasn't come out yet and like get feedback. And it's like an intimate, intimate affair, which is hog wild. I cannot believe. Oh, it's the highest tier of focus group you could literally imagine. Yeah. I also just like how on earth... So yeah, this was that era where this began clearly was like, I'm going to connect with people directly. I have heard of people who have been invited to her <gasps> birthday parties and say that she is unequivocally lovely, like yeah. just the nicest person on the planet, which she does give. It does read. That's all I've heard about her as well. I know. That's all I've heard about her as well. And like female friendship is a huge part of her brand and of her story and of this story. We talked a little bit about the crew of the like Selena. Wait, what was their name? They were like the girl squad. What was their name? I think it's like the squad. Oh, I did pull this out because this came. <laughs> oh, yeah. This came out in Glamour last month. Taylor Swift's girl squad is back. Girl squad. Yeah. And they are. They're all at the shows. And oh my Eight God. Eight years later, dude. That's, I mean, is that not a testament? It's like she is the opposite of the girl that you meet in eighth grade. That's like, all of my friends from last year don't speak to me anymore. And yeah. you're like, why? <laughs> and then you find out. No, she clearly gives it all. And yeah, this felt like a college time for her. Yes. Yeah. I was honestly moved hearing how they basically made her show's gathering points where they're all obviously very busy, like Kendall Jenner, Gigi Hadid, Selena Gomez, like Everyone has things going on, but what they would do as I was... As Not I, Jenna though, right? Who? Not Kendall. No, Kendall was in the squad. Was she? I think she's more in the squad now. But yeah, she is. she's listed as a part of the squad. Stop. And she attended some of these shows. Oh my God, I don't remember it. Yeah. Okay. She was, must have been very young. Yeah. I'm like... They what? all were. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So was she. But they would like pick a place and be like everyone meet at the London show and like we'll all hang out and it became this way that they like stayed connected through her world tour um which I thought was really sweet and there's actually I don't know if you caught it a mention to the pussy posse in this profile which what better way to start the second season than to call back to our first ever episode 
Then to call back. I really, I, my, my spine tingled. I was just lit on fire I know. with this mention. I know. And here it is. Over the past three years, Swift has built a volunteer army of high-profile friends, many of whom appear in her videos and serve as special guests at her concert. In almost any other circumstance, this would be seen as a likable trait. Leonardo DiCaprio behaved similarly in the 90s, and everyone thought it was awesome. But it's somehow different when the hub of the wheel is swift. People get skeptical. Her famous friends are marginalized as acquisitions, selected to occupy specific roles, almost like the members of the Justice League, the extramorph model, the inventive indie artist, the informed third-wave feminist. Such perceptions perplex Swift, who is genuinely obsessed with these attachments. And she goes on to talk about how, like, she didn't really have an easy time making friends, and, like, female friendships are, like, it for her yeah the middle school story that she shared she talks about going to a mall and seeing like two or three girls that she had called up and invited to the mall and they had said like sorry can't make it she goes with her mom regardless and sees them all there hanging out without her and she just like that is really formative stuff especially like when she would have been so popular so young yeah uh i mean the jealousy must be rampant she was she's also beautiful yeah we haven't even spoken of the fact that yeah she has like a porcelain doll face literally and like willowy build and curly blonde hair like perfect i know oh my gosh she would what no 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 you go you go wish she'd bring back the curls and the blonde and get and no more bangs it's it's I done. Want it back. It's done. No, I want the curls back. I want back. the curls back. <gasps> oh my god, that would be something else. But I think there's been too many keratins. Like that locked in for life. That's that kind of straight that's wave. True. No, it would take like a year to heal. Yeah, I'm sure. I know. And um, I have to tell you because I feel like you would have opinions on this. But her look for the 1989 Sydney show. Oh my god, she comes out on stage for the documentary. It's being filmed. She has one side bangs, 2015, a well. She's wearing white Ray-Bans, like those glasses that everyone had at the concert. Incredible, like feeling 22 music yes. video era. Yep. Got it. She is wearing ankle boot heels, sparkly. The, you know the booty? You yes. know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Those were, I had a pair in taupe and they were. Oh, of course. And denim They're the well. winery shoes. Yeah. That go with the winery hat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um and welcome to new york was like the first song and she's like this is where my story begins i'm really obsessed with how how much like a-listers or big stars like claim new york with such fervency just such vigor especially when you're from like pennsylvania which is like three hours south yeah like they act like they're coming into like a whole new mecca and it's like what what do you mean weren't you just isn't that just a couple hour drive for you yeah i know and she made this album in new york with jack antonoff and like i think it must have been like a whole you know door opening moment moment. it's college i think it's college it's college yeah yeah 20 i mean yeah late college it was such a look and so different from the eras tour which is like you know the sets are like works of art and the looks and the billowy dresses and this is so squarely in 2015. The thing I'm kind of, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, the thing I'm kind of obsessed with with the Eras Tour is that there's no sense of reinvention. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like we're throwing out these old sparkly leotards and we're starting again with corsets or whatever it might be. There's no like Madonna-esque sartorial overhaul. It's literally just... She is who she is now. She's not going to change that. She's going to wear her sequin dress and her glitter boots. And that's going to be her. Like, I really did appreciate that and love that. I think maybe I'm coming back to, like, the fucking authenticity thing I, like, love when people just adhere to the theme. But she 
Just, I just love that there, there hasn't been a full like upheaval in terms of like she shaved her head and now she's totally. barefoot. And, like, <laughs> no, because we've seen it with a Miley where it's like, oh, oh no, yeah. no, no. Like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like, please stop. <laughs> we've gone from like in the club with my J's on yeah. to like literally frolicking in the fields of Malibu. And you're like, whoa, Wait, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. I love like an artist reinvention, especially when they're like extreme, like they're interesting to watch. But Taylor... It's been consistent. It's been consistent. Yeah, it has. It has. Even when she's kind of gone through genres in a similar way to like, you know, a Beyonce I would compare where it's like no matter what the genre that she's decided to work in, the star power is always there. It's like Beyonce is now touring Renaissance, which is like dance music, queer music, like it's like a different thing than Lemonade entirely, but the star power is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the connecting thread. Yeah, it is. Totally. I find it really interesting how he talks about sitting with her in these moments and I don't know about you I found this like extremely real and very close to home that she has two ways of speaking yes one of which is that she's kind of actively shaping the interview she's super optimistic she's animated and it's kind of like rehearsed like bachelor candidate the thing we read about with Alison P. Davis talking about Meghan Markle like bachelor candidate on ready the camera's there I'm performing and then her other way is when she's almost being I think he describes it as like intentionally thoughtful like she wants you to believe that she's really considering the message of what she's kind of putting out there And he says she oscillates between these two styles fluidly. I read that piece as like he is much more interested in the work in progress stuff. Like when she is kind of riffing. Yeah. Riffing versus the stuff that it's like, you know, her talking about her young fans and how they inspire her. It's like, we know, and I'm sure that, you know, you've said that a million times. And he takes in that moment and how brave of him to ask to say, I've heard from someone like a friend of a friend called you calculating she says that she believes that the person that he knows who said that is the singular voice mm-hmm. who would categorize her as such. Who and do we think? Who I, is that? I don't know. But I don't know. But imagine just being like, oh, I know there's one person and that is the only person who would call me calculating. And I know why. There's a real trust there. You can you can feel it. I mean, she talks about Kanye and he says yeah. he, he was really surprised that she brought it up, that she brought up the Kanye interruption at the VMAs. And I think that felt... Very true and real to me because she used this interview as a platform to kind of dive into a little bit of imposter syndrome, which I think no one, no one's going to believe her if she out and out says like, I can't believe I'm here and I like don't deserve it. (laughs) But she, she fully admits like she thought that people were booing when Kanye got up there because they thought she didn't deserve the the award. And mm-hmm. she went backstage and cried and then came back and performed. And she was like, I really thought like, I don't deserve this. People are so sick of this girl who keeps winning awards. And then they're so sick of this girl who keeps dating hot guys, like a string of hot guys yeah. in a row. And somehow through all of this, with her glamorous group of friends and her wild career, he also asked her a very real thing of like, do you ever get lonely with this like insane life that you live? I know. And she sort of answers no. And this, this was interesting to me because I remember hearing for the first time about the Swifty meetups and you know, the way that she has this relationship with her fans. It's similar to a Lady Gaga where it's like, it's very intimate. You are our person. We've found each other in this like crazy world. And like each other. It's not just that no. the fans have found her. It's like she's found them and she has this like very super symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. and I 
I've always been like, how real is that? Or what does that actually feel like? But she talks about how even doing a meet and greet on a tour is like the conversations might not be long or deep, but they do feed her and they are enough. And they, she like finds so much joy and happiness in them. If you put it comparatively for us on like a much smaller scale, anyone who's read anything that we've done and it was like, oh, I, I remember that. Like, nice to meet you. I remember that. You just kind of be like, okay, there's there's something here. There's yeah. a foundation yeah. to springboard off of. And now times that by literally 100 million where they have like bled and cried and like gone through major life events to your music. Yeah. It's like we are one. That's that's a lot. It's a lot. Oh my god! I mean, she does meet and greets every night of tour. That's 150 people a pop. She's meeting 100 150 people a fight. Imagine the social fatigue. I no, I can't. I can't. Oh, it makes me feel sick. Yeah. And then she just goes home and watches Friends to yeah. like mellow out, which you would have to. Yeah, you. I would. mean, like, oh my god. Like, how do how do what are her day? Well, how does she time lock? No, that's what I'd like to know. I know. Do you think, I think about this all the time, the, there's a specific term, but I'm forgetting it. It's something to do with touch. It is like a touch fatigue, but I, I can't Oh, touched remember. out. Touched out. Yeah, like new moms have it. Yeah. Yes. When, yeah, it's like you haven't. You get touched out. Yeah. Do you want to explain that for the sake of? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I know it through new moms when your infant is like constantly crawling on you and your baby always has to be on you, near you, on you. And you're like, literally just like, oh my God, I need to like be a body by myself mm. and cannot continue being like touched or hold like it's just like an overwhelm of touch yeah so britney spears was the one that was the prime example of of being touched out of someone always like in her in her face doing her makeup doing her hair doing her clothes and obviously you're literally hugging fans and yeah you just don't get a minute to feel like your personal space is your own and that's something that really i find that idea harrowing i sometimes get a little bit of a shock when i'm very tactile but when someone touches me on the arm mm-hmm. i feel like the power has been like relinquished a little bit oh my god <laughs> oh my god speaking of a guy grabbed my ass the other day <gasps> as i was walking like we were crossing the road at the same time he grabbed my ass yeah it just shook, it shook me in a way that I, I i felt like it should have been more water for ducks back and i just yeah, it just kind of fucked me up a little bit. No, I think but, that makes complete sense. That's harrowing and horrifying. But this is what I think about. I think about her having to hug all these like little girls and boys or whoever and have this connection with each individual person on top of, I don't know, getting lifted up by her dancers on stage mm-hmm. and getting the makeup and hair and getting fit into a million different costumes and then having to wake up and do it all again. And I wonder if you're able to compartmentalize as an athlete would at the Olympics, right? Like this is a moment in time. This is not forever. For me, touring. Unfathomable. 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 No, really. Every night. And she's doing this every night. It's a three hour show every night. Oh my God. In rain. It's been pouring rain. I know. What? I think there's like five back-to-back nights in LA. Yeah. And that's how it finishes in August. In August. And honestly, with that, it's like we're kind of closing out the piece it's this like lovely little meditation at the end where she says a meet and greet might sound weird to someone who's never done one but after 10 years you learn to appreciate happiness when it happens and that happiness is rare and fleeting and that you're not entitled to it you know during the first few years of your career the only thing anyone says to you is enjoy this just enjoy this that's all they ever tell you and i finally know how to do that and then it closes taylor swift is 25 but she's older than you that that line really hit. I know. Taylor Swift is 25, but she's older than you. To play devil's advocate for just a minute, she has dated some of the most famous men in the game. 
Oh, totally. And you, but- ca- you c- cannot expect that the, the elevation of uh, just fame and celebrity and buzz isn't going to multiply times a thousand. Yeah. But then it's like shoe on the other foot. Could Taylor ever date a normie? I don't think so. I, I think that those are her only options. I yeah. think the A-listers are her only options. Like there would just be no trust at any point. Imagine like mm. a man at a bar. It's like, no, you're, you're trying to get close to me so you can sell my rights. Like, it's like, I was a lad from Philly, just a good, strong electrician from Philly. I know. No, there's not a chance. I think I'm going to put my stick in the ground. I'm going to put money on this with you. I think she, she might end up with With a a regular Joe. Really? Yeah. And it's going to be like a friend of a friend of a friend. They're going to get introduced somehow. I think who, yeah, could be. I think that she will marry an A-lister. Do you think? Yeah, I do. I think it'll be a whirlwind romance. Who do you want? I'm trying to think of like who makes sense. I thought about like a Brad Pitt. No, and I think she wouldn't. Like she's too conscious of her image to do someone that's like huge age gap or controversy or... There's a difference between conscious and calculated. Yes. And I think that... I think when there's a woman who's built a career to the level that she has there's a tendency to veer towards the adjective calculated much more than conscious or conscientious. Like, yes, totally. Cause what else are you going to say? Yeah. She's not good at her job. She's not <laughs> delivering. Yeah. Look at us with this podcast every day. We pull out the calculator. We put the numbers together. We crunch them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And if someone accuses us of that, they're right. They're right. What, what is the feeling that you're left with after this profile? Okay. Extremely likable profile extremely likable writer yeah extremely likable talent yes a very very likable piece yep it told you some things yeah like it wasn't like a pr surface level media trained interview she really she got into it which like doesn't often happen with a star of like this caliber no especially one that so carefully curates her image calculates <laughs> and like manipulates us into liking her and her hair i agree i agree with that totally i do believe that at this point at 25 taylor swift is really feeling like this is crazy this is insane like mm. i think that especially it's been some, a decade in the industry at this point as yeah well. a decade in the industry and a decade honestly to shoot up to this level of stardom in a decade is fast i think to me and to be performing with Mick Jagger, I do think like this incredulous feeling is it reads authentic to me. It reads authentic to me. I think a big part of it is still there. I think that is her identity. And the the major takeaway that she says her her key to success, uh, her her kind of raison d'etre of being normal has been self-awareness. And yes. she's like, as long as I'm self-aware, I am going to be fine. Did you see that little tidbit where she was like, I used to watch all these behind the music videos. She used to watch like endless behind the music episodes and say, and and she found like the secret source that stars completely lost their sense of awareness. And she was like, never me. Like that's never going to be me. You can accuse me of a lot of things, but I'm always, always going to be self-aware. Yeah, which is incredible. And also incredible because in a 2019 interview, she talks about how she's never been to therapy. Oh my God. Which I'm like, wait, okay, those seem incongruent, but I was like, what? What? How? How? How really? In 2019, maybe she's gotten one since. I cannot fathom. She was just like, I talk to my mom a lot. Yeah, she's like, we're really close and she really gets it. 
It's like, what yeah. are you talking about? But then it's like, who are you going to trust? Yeah. Like, how are you going to test drive different therapists when you are Taylor Swift? And like the whole point of therapy, you can't lie. She can't like go in in a wig and be like, I'm Taylor <laughs> Garrity. Like, <laughs> where did you get Garrity from? I don't know. Oh my God. Friday Night Lights. <gasps> Lila Garrity. <laughs> is that, did you just read her autobiography? Or are you no. aware of Minka Kelly has come out with an autobiography <gasps> that is like a huge... And it's very deep and oh my god! It's already a New York Times bestseller. It's apparently amazing. Oh my god! Are you watching Friday Night Lights right now? I started it recently. Oh my god! I've never seen it before. I've never seen it before. Oh my god! We talk about like fearless era chokehold. That show I know kept me awake at night. Tim Riggins. Oh my god! Yeah, I knew I knew you'd be a Tim. I knew you'd be a Tim. That's so my type. Yeah. Oh my god. Mine too. They dated in real life, and apparently, it all it was not a good relationship. Yeah, I know. Can't say that's hard to believe read the read the memoir <laughs> listen to the pod <laughs> stream the eras tour yeah no, you can't stream it go if you can yeah if you have thousands of dollars i actually to wait in the queue i, I want you to know that i did look at tickets this morning because i was like what just it? curious just to see yeah. the ones in la there are tickets available 1400 for one ticket just and that's base level that's, that's like nosebleed that's that is that was a ticket that was behind the stage <laughs> <laughs> Which people do have footage of her, like, going under the stage. Like, people have posted TikToks of, like... Wait, are you being serious? There's a behind-the-stage ticket? Yeah, there's a behind-the-stage ticket. Yeah. There oh, are so you can't seats. see her... No, you can kind of see... Like, you can see the monitors. You it was like at monitors. Coachella when we ran to see The weekend come on. And mm. we, we were just in front of the monitor. We were just in front of the monitor, just trying to do our best, Dancing like our hearts out, absolute, like on mute, like yeah. can't, cannot hear a word, and yet there we were. I know oh, this episode has been a real moment for female empowerment. I feel yeah. I've had one of those one of those weeks. Taylor's had one of those decades. You know, you're time blocking now. I'm time you're not running now. late. I'm changed. Which is very empowering. Yeah. For those of us who sit at restaurants and wait for you. I know. And I'm so sorry to all of you. I'd like to I'd like to apologize. Formally apologize. Yeah. And we have met some Agos out in the wild. And to those of you, thank you so much. Oh my god. For listening. Oh Again, we're so happy to be back for our our season two. It's going to be a wild one. It's go- Okay, this one's going to be, guys, this one's going to be really fucking wild. Yeah. Okay. okay be well. well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was so Dak Shepard of you. Oh, no way. I've never I've never listened to the... Um, You've never listened to one episode of Armchair Expert? I have, but never all the way through. I've listened to, like, bits and pieces. Rate and review our podcast. Yeah. Don't listen to theirs. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. We love you. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.